Welcome to another episode of On the Ball. Ball stands for Best Advice on Life Lessons, a podcast show where I focus on extracting the best advice and life lessons from world-class performers and leaders from various fields by deconstructing and teasing out their routines, success habits, techniques, tricks, secrets, and best advice or life lessons that they have ever received that you can use and apply to your own life and work. I'm more interested in learning about things my guests have never said before. So today I'm super excited to have a longtime colleague of mine at Microsoft, Lon E, on the show. Who is Lon? Lon is the Corporate Vice President of Microsoft Teams, Calling, Meetings and Devices Group. She leads a team of product managers and engineers who are obsessed with making workplace communication simpler and more inclusive. We'll talk more about that with her as we go along. And Lon actually joined Microsoft right out of college and has worked on a wide range of consumer and enterprise products, including Windows Media, DRM, Zoom, yes, that one, Windows Phone, mobile gaming, Skype, Skype for Business, Link, and other incubation projects. Uh, in recent years, she led the convergence and transformation of Microsoft's unified communication strategy from Skype for Business over to Microsoft Teams. I've been working with, uh, with Lan since Skype and Skype for Business and Link days. So it's great to have you on the show, Lan. Let's play ball. Thanks, Srini. Thank you for having me here on a Friday afternoon. Looking forward to the conversation. Okay. I'm sure we'll jump between topics and uh, the conversation will be a bit non-linear, but let's jump right in. I can't wait to dig in. Um, I thought we'll start a little bit about uh, Lon, since I, th I think I said your name correctly, but uh, I always wanted to make sure that I pronounce the name right. How to pronounce your name right? How should we say it and what does it mean? And the second part of the question is, when your kids ask you what you do, how do you answer that? <laughs> so my my um, I usually uh, introduce myself as uh, my name is Lan, um, as in local area network. Um, <laughs> I'm Chinese. Um, uh, uh, the the, the uh, my first name in Chinese means uh, very colorful colorfulness. Uh, it's it's actually a pretty complicated character. It requires about takes I think about sixteen to twenty strokes um, wow. in Chinese care, uh, scripture. Uh, none of my teachers um, in from from elementary school all the way to high school were able to correctly write my name. <laughs> That's the story of my name. It's it became much easier in English. It's just you know I I have a, a short short acronym um, that's easy to 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 pronounce. My kids. Um, uh, uh, they asked me about what I do. And my kids never asked me, never had to ask me what I do. They, they actually, and on the other, on the other hand, they, they tell me what to do. Uh, they, they, um, they have been using Teams. You know, they, they, they're teenagers and um, have been obviously doing online classes for the last year over uh, Microsoft Teams. Um, I think I can speak on, on behalf of uh, a lot of the coworkers in my team. We get, we get to play customer support for uh, our families and friends throughout the last year. <laughs> um, you know, it requires no introduction. They tell us what to do. They want me to fix bugs, get new features all the time. It's kind of neat. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's that's for sure, Lan. Thank you for that. Um, in <laughs> fact, uh, yeah, we all we all do that, right? I mean, customer support <laughs> for kids these days. Yeah. And not just for kids, but also for you know uh, schools. Oh yeah. Sometimes a community. Yeah. Uh, I I was I was I even had one on ones with my um with my team. I remember one of the one on ones with my uh, with my team. Um, the, this this engineer he brought uh, his daughter. I mean, actually you know, and his son. Uh, to to the one on one, <laughs> and it was he was very serious. The six year old, he was very serious, and he was asking me and said, "I have one feature request for you. Can you please, please, please add games to Teams so I can play games while using Teams?" <laughs> I was very, very sincere customer request. Yes, and we got absolutely. That. We've got to take that seriously, Lan. We have to take that seriously. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. It's it's so gratifying. On the other hand, yeah. Yeah, you bet. So I was doing some research, right? When I was researching you and uh, for for this podcast, for this interview, you went to the Middlebury College mm -hmm. and graduated yeah. in computer science and mm -hmm. studio arts. Yeah, I didn't know that the second part. How <laughs> come studio arts? Uh, I know Steve Jobs often talks about the intersection of technology and liberal arts, which is different. But how did you end up? doing studio arts and how did you end up in tech and software for a career? Yeah, yeah so um, I think I ended up in computer and software serendipitously. I I, I was always um, um, into art, started very young. I, I, I you know, I, I draw, I do Chinese painting. Later I did painting, watercolor, lots of different mediums. I, I love doing arts. Um, I grew up in China, Shanghai, and then I came here for college. Um, so when I applied for college, you know, liberal arts college are just such a natural fit for me just because, you know, my background. Um, so I, I, I went, to, I was fortunate to get got admit, admitted to Middlebury College and I uh, picking a, a studio art was an easy decision. Um, at that time, um, you know, I, I came, when I came to US, I, I can, you know, read a lot of English, but my colloquial English written or um, uh, writing or uh, or speaking is pretty bad. You know, it's nearly broken. I can't really do much. Um, so, you know, going jumping into college was a <laughs> pretty wild ride, you know, when you don't speak the language. So, you know, I figured computer science, you know, I need something to anchor myself and computer science is relatively easy. You know, it, it requires logic and it, you know, everybody has to learn this new language, it's the programming language. And, you know, I put, put me on an equal ground with pretty much everybody else. So I, I decided to do computer science more, more or less just as a way to balance out and give myself something that I can anchor on that, you know, I can feel pretty confident. So I did both and senior year, Actually, it was junior year, I think, you know, um, I remember it was the last day of the year and, you know, I, I was browsing online and just stumbled upon this um, female technician scholarship that Microsoft uh, is putting out there. And, and you know, um, as a way, I guess this was the very early days of the Microsoft diversity outreach. So I just decided to apply and forgot about it. A few months later, I got the scholarship and that's how I got connected with Microsoft. Um, when I graduated, um, you know, as in liberal arts college, we typically attract a lot of these, you know, investment banking consult consulting companies or nonprofit organizations. So most of my job offers are from those industry. 
Microsoft was the only one technology company that I decided to apply just because of this scholarship and I got connected with the recruiter. Um, so I applied and only only technology company, only West Coast company I applied and uh, they offered me the job right on the spot. And uh, there we are. I ended up in my in Microsoft. Uh, I, wow. I think I was the first person ever got hired in Microsoft from Middlebury College. They told me in the last decade. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> totally That's serendipitous. Quite a milestone. Uh, <laughs> actually, you had, yeah, uh, you answered my other question, which is, hey, you've been with one company, right? And yeah. a great company at that, Microsoft, yeah. from the start. And I was going to ask you, how did you end up at Microsoft? You, you you said that. The one thing I wanted to ask you as a follow-up is, what was your very first role at Microsoft when you joined? What were you doing? Yeah, I I um, joined as, um, uh, at that time, we still have this, this job function called Software Development Engineer in Test, S-D-E-T. Um, so, you know, it was, it was writing code, actually. My first two years at Microsoft, I wrote a lot of, you know, this was a time where VB script and then C++, uh, COM, distributed COM. I wrote, I worked on, um, uh, first first product I worked on was called Windows Media, Netshow Server, later become Windows Media Server. So it's it's the, it's the early days of, uh, you know, streaming media industry. You know, I remember my, 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 you know, my test project, we were all watching Major League Major League Baseball um, on on our computer with a stem-sized window. We're so excited about it. Uh, that was the, those days, and I was writing code, C code, hardcore C code, DCOM, um, 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 basically building the distributed uh, test load soft, uh, uh, load. What was it? Stress test um, software for the Windows Media Streaming mm -hmm. Server. Yeah. And that, that that test tool is actually available for download. You know, there was lots of download on the internet at that time because people were using it to stress testing the server. It was a lot of fun. Um, I, I did a lot of um, coding in the first two years. And then, I, and then you were asking me about my career path. You know, Microsoft was, yeah. it, it, it was, you know, I've been at Microsoft for tw 22 years now, I think. Yeah. And you know, it's like in an eye blink, <laughs> uh, but it was such a fun ride. And Microsoft is uh, is like a Disneyland. You know, you 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 come in and there's <laughs> a lot of different different things you can do. And in my twenty years, you know, twenty some years, I did a lot of different projects. You you've touched on most of them in, in the intro. Um, you know, I you know I I have in the early days of my career, I have a um, sort of two year itch. You know, I get bored. If I work on the same project for two years and then I look for something different, um, then I look for something different. So, you know, there's never short shortage of, uh, um, you know, interesting things to do. You know, it's like in an in, in amusement park, you know, you get so much fun. Sometimes maybe <laughs> it's annoying, you know, line gets too long, it's too crowded, too congested, but the fun never ends. And, you know, next thing I know, it's 22 years into this, you know, and I've worked on so many products. Um, um, I'm, I'm super happy about the journey. Yeah, that's that's uh, absolutely true, uh, Lan, which is what you said, and I've never heard anyone portray it like that, but that makes a lot of sense. Disneyland, uh, yeah, absolutely, yes. I mean, this is an amazing place. I mean, we all get to work on different projects and different products, 
you certainly have a broad swath of uh, products that you've worked on. I remember I started out uh, working on things like even live meeting, right? Yeah, I, I worked meeting. on meeting, yeah. yeah, you worked on live meeting too. Well, actually, Kate, I, I can't. I did not work on live meeting, but I did took over live meeting at some point. <laughs> Back before yeah. uh, proceeding OCS. In the or link days, after. yeah, in the link days, yes. That's fun. Mm -hmm. So the one thing, uh, so now moving along, right? I think uh, after all that, um, you lead a group within Microsoft Teams that is so central to all things that we do today, like meetings, conferencing, replacing traditional phone systems, conference room devices or meeting room devices, and uh, everything that powers the world today during the pandemic from a remote standpoint, remote working, telehealth, education, live conferences, events, large events like CES, the Consumer Electronics mm -hmm. Show and so on. Yeah. So the one question that I have, Lan, is you were in the thick of all this, right? When you were thrust into the middle of all of this during the pandemic, that we all, this is once in a lifetime experience, so to speak, uh, to scale, to innovate, uh, run a reliable world-class service. What were your first thoughts? How did you go about figuring it all out? Um, I'm talking about more interested in your thought process. How did you build your personal resiliency, not the system resiliency, if you will, about tackling uh, a huge challenge like this, uh, especially in the face of uh, a lot of demand, a lot of competition, intense pressure? Yeah, it, you know, it, it, it's not... I think you could probably tell from my journey at Microsoft, I, I sort of live and thrive in um, changes and chaos, I think. So it, it, it's really, you know, many years of build up leading to this point. You know, our, we, I've been in this industry, you and I have been in this industry long enough to know that, you know, in, in this industry, change is constant. Um, stability is the exception. So, you know, I've, I've long learned how to, deal with this kind of, you know, turns and ambiguity. And this, of course, is at a different scale, but I, I would say my years of, you know, at Microsoft training on the job get to this point and, and it just felt pretty natural. It's actually a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, I always, whenever there's a great deal of pressure and ambiguity, um, what I usually focus on is not trying to, how to sort, you know, this, ambiguity into try to organize everything because you know it's it's rather futile you know if you think about the world is full of change full of turn if you try to you know whenever there's some turn you're trying to get it in order um trying to put you know um everything into its places that you're probably ch just chasing the taillight of you know a constant current it's not worth it so what i tend to focus on when there's a lot of ambiguity is just figure out to my skills around how to get really you know discern signal from noise and then find pockets of clarity you know it's not about making ambiguity go away because they're always going to be there it's more about how do you develop and sharp sharpen your senses so that you can you know identify those pockets of clarity that matters that can help myself or the team to anchor around that. And from there, you can start growing, you know, the, the execution tactics or the strategy and so on. I found that super important. Um, and, and, you know, I have a short, I, I'm not a list keeper, you know, I'm a, not, not a list person probably, 
different from a lot of people that 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 in my work circle. I never keep a list. That's because I always have a short list of things I, I, I focus on and I, you know, I'll put all my energy and I'll move on to the next. I survey um, the landscape all the time and trying to figure out what's the next set of things that's important to me. Uh, and then the other thing I think it's important from a metho methodology perspective is, um, you know, try to figure out how to solve problem in this kind of extremely constrained environment. And that's where you know, if you don't give yourself excuses, that's where all the creativity comes from. I love, love, love constrained problem solving. Any problem that doesn't have constraint, it's boring. So in this kind of environment, when you know you have a lot of customer demand, um, our growth is exploding. Um, you know, our our product is being dragged into directions that we have never imagined and never designed for. And um, you know we have very short timeline, and it's a highly dynamic marketplace. So those kind of kind of you know constraints are exciting to me. I think these are these are the conditions where you know you you tune yourself, try to how to re react uh, and be more creative. I, I used to have actually probably the best way to summarize this is just you know I I have two questions that I always ask myself, um, or I, I I sometimes challenge my team. One is a one cent question. The other is a one million dollar question. The one cent question is, you know, if, if I give you one cent and uh, which problem would you spend it on? And, um, you know, that that question is really a way to help discern, discern signal from noise and that helps develop the sharper sense of focus because, you know, human by nature is greedy. You just have to really put yourself in a constraint to know what matters what, what matters most to you. The second question I ask my team and myself sometimes is, if I give you a million dollar, can you, so how would you solve the problem? The million dollar question is really a way to help remove um, constraints that you think you have. You know, sometimes when people are in under pressure trying to solve problems, they um, some, sometimes subconsciously just put themselves into self-imposed constraint. And you know, creative problem solving is really about you know how do you work around and work over uh, overcome these constraints. You know, sometimes it's about getting other people to help you. It's about thinking about different ways to solve this problem. Um, or it's about maybe, you know, I just need to prioritize differently. Maybe I can buy myself some more time so I can solve this. This is this is a good problem, but may not necessarily be the right time to solve the problem. So anyway, there is a lot of different ways if, you know, you try to poke and challenge your own self-imposed constraints that may give you a new, um, new way of um, um, tackling the situation. So I always do the one cent and one million dollar. Question. No, that's a, that's a great way to put it. It's an awesome nugget, uh, Lon. I mean, I I have something similar, but I think in terms of the abundance versus scarcity mindset, mm -hmm. right? Um, so the abundance mindset exactly, is you, yeah. have, you have a lot of everything, and then how do you solve a problem? The scarcity mindset is the one that actually drives a lot of creativity where, you know, you have everything is scarce, mm -hmm. and you have yeah. resources that I, I is scarce, say... time that is scarce. Yeah, and, and I would say, Srini, even the abundance question is a creativity problem solving, right? Because sometimes sure. people think sure. like, I only have one cent, so therefore this is a problem I can't solve. But, you know, you can sure. ask for donation. <laughs> you can pull yeah, money sure. with other people to solve. So so these are just helping people to um, 
you know, think broadly, right? Um, we were a big yeah, company. Totally. Um, sometime if I cannot solve this problem, maybe I can ask my peers to help me. Maybe I can ask my partners in the industry to help me. But, you know, it needs to start with um, not, not operating under your own self-imposed constraint. No, right on. Um, thanks for that, Lan. You are one of the key women engineering leaders at Microsoft. It's important for me to mention that because starting with your childhood, right? Early childhood or say um, teens later on, did you have a set direction you wanted to go? Uh, did you know where you were going, where you were going to end up? At what point did you realize or know what you wanted to do? What shaped your thinking? And the question is more in terms of, hey, was there a turning point in your career? What was that? What did you learn? How did you know, you know, you, you wanted to be where you are? Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I probably have some unconventional answer here. Um, <laughs> sure. You know, I, I, I have no idea that I would end up doing this job. You know, that's a great um, answer. I, I think, <laughs> I think uh, even when I was in college, I have no idea that I would end up working for you know one of the greatest software software company in the world. Um, <laughs> no idea. Um, my when when I was in childhood, I think in my teenager years, you know, if anything, I I. Like I said, I, I, you know, I drew a lot. Um, I used to write novels. Um, so, you know, if anything, I, I had thought about being an author. Um, so it's radically different from what I'm doing right now. Um, but, uh, you know, it, over the years, I kept up with my interest as well. So, you know, if, if you ask me my career, like I actually don't think my career is set. You know, I like to keep my options open. I. I may ended up picking up art again because you know I want to see if I can make a living <laughs> with uh, just doing art at some point. Um, I, I I I would like to not to um, sort of confine myself to a predefined path to the to the extent that makes sense. I, I think that's kind of been my yeah, whole career sure. or whole life. I have not really walked on any kind of beaten path or 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 I have imagined it's just you know I followed what I like to do and somehow I end up in this place and most of the time I'm pretty happy and you know I told my kids the same thing you know sometime or you know family or friends will ask and say hey what do you think your kids will do when they grow up I, I actually say you know what I, I don't think the job they want to do is invented yet so you know what I don't know, you know, be open minded, um, create create a job or invent an industry. Mm -hmm. Who knows, right? Yeah. Um, like to keep my option open. Even at this stage, you know, I'm, you know, mm -hmm. deep into this career, but, you know, I, I, I don't want it to just settle. I, I wanted to keep my options open. Try something no, that's new. That's a great way to put it. That's a, that's a fantastic way to put it. And by the way, the one thing I did not know, even while I was doing <laughs> research on you, or even I've known you for so many years, mm -hmm. that uh, you have a background in art and you were artist. And here's one <laughs> little known thing for you. <laughs> I am an artist. I used to do this. <laughs> really? No. Yes. Wow. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, <laughs> that's one thing that I, I mean, I won countless what? awards and prizes. And this, that, oh that's my what God. I want. I, wa I wanted to be like a cartoonist. <laughs> make animated films 
Oh, seriously. Yeah. Like if I were to get to pick my second job or start over my career, I'd go work for Pixar. <laughs> that would no, be another I, no. dream job. Get out. I think, we, yeah. So you didn't know about that, about me as well. Uh, that's yeah, so cool. Anyway, that's fascinating. Yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll we'll share some stories later. I'll I'll, uh, I'll probably throw awesome. some art and share. It'll be great to look <laughs> at yours. Thank you. Yes. <clears throat> okay, moving along, right? Staying on the topic, um, the one question that's been spotlighted past few years, Lon, is that of uh, things like, hey, um, equality, gender gaps, women mm-hmm. empowerment, um, equal opportunity, and so on and so forth. So on the one hand, it's great that many companies and lead, you know, leaders and institutions, even Microsoft, uh, we do a lot in terms of acting, amplifying, talking. Uh, but on the other hand, it took a long time to get to this point. Um, did you, I'm, I'm sure you went through some challenges throughout your career, um, but what advice would you have for uh, young girls who are starting out and also for uh, men and women alike? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, I the the very first thing when you asked me that jumped to my mind is something that I always um, deeply believe in is just never fall victim to your own circumstances, and that's just the mentality. I think it's been so helpful for myself, you know, because you know, regardless of whether you're a man, woman, age, um, gender, race, we, you know, most people are underprivileged in some way, shape, form. Um, or even, you know, you get into tech industry, you're new. There are a lot of veterans in the industry and lack of experience is another kind of um, privilege, uh, lack of privilege as well. You know, I remember the first day I joined Microsoft, you know, there it's it's like a prestigious company with all these smart people. You know, I, I was not sure <laughs> what to do. Um, it is it, it, a great sense of insecurity. So it's it's very very common, um, you know. Everybody is in some sort of underprivileged situation, one way or another. Um, but you know, I tend to focus on what I can do to take control of the situation. I believe there is always a way you can take control of the situation and get out of the get off the get out of the you know um, um, lack of you know underprivileged situation and. And that that mentality I, I found over the years has been, you know, super helpful. I, you know, I have been misunderstood. People have treated me not fairly. People have treated me with disrespect, all of that. But you know what? I'm here for something that is bigger and greater for the cause. Um, you know, and much, much, you know, I am focusing on something that is a bigger purpose than just, you know, the, the personal justice. And I. And then I, you know, I I have a lot that's in my control that I can turn things around, um, and that have always helped me. That that I think that was number one. And the other thing that I I found important is, you know, everyone also is in a privileged situation in one way or another. Uh, once I gained some experiences, once I gained some you know trust and respect from my coworkers, you know, I'm in a position to help other people too. Um, I, I remember, you know, the 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 and, and you know we all talk about how hard it is for for women to thrive in the tech industry. But I also do remember a lot of the times, you know, I I really benefited from a lot of you know my coworkers around me who helped me to 
gain confidence to understand and really find who I am um, and, and find a place in this company. Um, Sometimes it's, you know, it takes people intentionally, you know, be out there and recognize and help other people and create those opportunities. And I still remember you, you, you brought um, Brian, Brian, Brian McDonald. Um, yep. he, he's my yep. former boss. He was on uh, the show. He was the very first one no. on the show. He kicked <laughs> off my show. Yeah, I know. And, you know, the guy has years, decades of industry, industry experience. It's, you know, he's he's very much revered in, inside Microsoft, right? And and there was one time Brian, you know, out of nowhere, he 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 said, you know what, you 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 are very good at, you know, just holding people accountable but not pissing them off. I gotta learn from you. And I was like, mm -hmm. wow, you know, and 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 someone like Brian, um, you know, so like, he has so much credit in this industry, and then he's still first, you know, constantly reflecting on himself, but also, you know, he, he said that there's something that he, 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 he find in me that, you know, he, he can learn from me. And that was a big deal. It makes me feel like, okay, you know, this is the kind of place that, um, you know, you can be who you are and you can add value. And I, I want, you know, as a leader, I want to do that for, you know, other people too. recognize them, help them, promote them, um, be a good sponsor, be a good mentor. I think we help each other. That That's how, you know, you really help bring the best out of each other. And that, that, that you know, is something I think it's important. You know, it, it, it is also integral to not falling victim to the circumstances because you have to trust that there are people out there who wants to help you, who can help you. And you just have to go out and ask for help. And when you're in the position to help somebody, don't never don't ever he hesitate to help them because those help will be really mean will really mean a big deal to others. Yeah, that's so well said. That's so well said, Alan. In terms of hey, not being a victim, not allowing. I think all of these different memes do exist, but it's really up to us in terms of how. We have control and we take control over that. Um, so you said the one thing that I wanted to you off. You said, hey, there's a lot of people that helped me along the way and, you know, guided you, coached you. Who were some of your role models or mentors? Um, can you can you share who are the two or three people that you have been most influential to you? Uh, give me some names if you can throw as to in the whole nine yards we can learn from. Yeah, I, I I would say I never had like a like a sort of official so to speak mentor mm -hmm. or or role model, um, but I do pick up things from a lot of different people. <laughs> you know, I'm sure, sure. like a sponge. I always you know yeah. um, kind of steal, borrow, copy if I can. It um, I, whenever I find someone you know who I admire. You know, I mentioned Brian, who's a great, great mentor for me, um, you know, the way that he thinks about the product, the way, you know, that mm. he never takes no for a no. Um, mm. um, uh, Choi, I think you know Choi, Choi, who, who's also a co-worker of mine. Yeah, yeah, um, you know, yeah. we, he, he was actually my first manager at Microsoft. Um, I learned a great, great deal from Choi. Um, um, and Choi is oh, the one Troy that also, was your first manager. Yes, wow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and, and Troy is oh, the one that no you know in the, is is one of those people that actually saw something in me that that I I, I did not 
see. And Choi, Choi convinced me to be a PM. You know, and like I said, I was started with it uh, as a uh, developer and test. Choi was the one that saw P, the PM in me and really convinced me to to switch a career, switch the discipline, and that that made a big difference in my career. Um, and recently, you know, examples like you know, I in in during the pandemic, I actually tried out the, this Airbnb experience. There is this mm. um, um, Olympic um, Paralympian. His name is um, uh, athlete. His name is um, Lex Gillette. Mm. Um, he's a, a blind athlete. A, a athlete. I think he had um, detachment of his retina detachment some sometime around eight years old. So he lost his eyesight, and then after that, he just you know he's 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 got a natural gift in sports. He became a long jumper. So he did. He did a. So I, I joined his uh, talk, and you know he did a session. Actually, it was actually with my team. There's a bunch of people joined me as well, just trying to try out this experience. So he showed us how you know his journey, how he does, how he's doing training, um, and you know the the. He actually it's really cool. He showed us you know his training center down in San Diego uh, through remote video, but it was inspiring. You know, everything he said was very much a lot similar to, you know, what I, I had experienced in, in work as well. Um, you know, th there's one thing that he 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 is sort of his motto or belief was um, you don't need sight if you have a vision, if there is a vision. And that's that's basically his whole training regime, right? He, you know, he, he can't see, but he has a vision. And, you know, he once he's his vision, he has a very methodical way of, you know, seeing the world out there and getting, you know, all his training regime down every day and day and day you practice. But the, the other thing is, you know, he he's got some people to help him. It's not like he's doing this alone. You know, he 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 has a trainer that was always working with him and using sound, the collapsing sound to guide him through this darkness. Um, it was very inspiring because, you know, I, I it, it had a lot of analogy to what um, I had go through in work, right? Because, you know, and, you know, except, you know, we deal with inordinate amount of ambiguities. But, you know, what he deal what he deals with is inordinate amount of, uh, you know, darkness. There's there's no more extreme ambiguity when you can't see anything. But he can chart out a path. He's a four-time um, Olympic medalist. He charted out a path for himself. So you know, if um, if you can do that, um, then really there's no reason to 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 fall victim to your circumstances, any other circumstances. So those no, those that's a great example. are really inspiring. Yeah, Lex Gillette. I think it's a great example. Um, um, not only he's a para Paralympic athlete, uh, he's also a musician. He plays the piano. Oh, I didn't he know sings. that. Oh my yeah, god! He, he, he actually released a music single. Uh huh. And um, you know, I, I think it was something like "Go for Gold" or uh, uh -huh. uh, something like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, he, he's a musician and a pianist. Wow. <laughs> it's, a, you know, it's pretty awesome. He's an inspiration. Yeah. But thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Um, you got to bring him on your show sometimes. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's maybe awesome. you can introduce him to me. Yeah. I, I yeah, I'll connect him. you. Yeah. 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 If you yeah. can connect me. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. Lon, uh, switching to some lighter things, right? I, I just want to the one thing that I want the audience to know, and this is part of the 
the show also, even for me, right? Hey, I'd like to learn from people's morning rituals, right? What does it look like? What does a typical day look like? What is your first 60 to 90 minutes of your week day, working day look like? What's your boot up sequence? What morning habits are important to you? Uh, can you talk a little bit about that and share? Yeah, it's so funny you asked the boot sequence. You know, the 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 <laughs> inner Tesla in me always wanted to be able to boot, you know, from <laughs> zero to sixty miles per hour in two seconds. That would be like my it. ideal boot sequence. Um, there you go. Ilya will be happy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I I I you know I'm the kind of person that actually um, I. I don't like routines I, mm. in, my, in my life. I, I, I try to cut down routines or rituals um, as much as possible, actually, um, because I, I think I want, you know, I, I aspire, you know, when I say inner Tesla, I really mean it. Like I aspire to be, you know, able to switch my mind on and off within very little notice. I <laughs> just, you know, be better ready anytime. That that's 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 um what I aspire to be. And I can I think I can mostly be successful at that. You know, when I get up in the morning, I brush my teeth and I wash my face and I come down and I'm in my meeting <laughs> usually. Mm. I don't even, even eat, eat breakfast most of the time. Um unless I get served. But uh you know I don't need breakfast to 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 kick off the engine. Um and uh, um, and then, you know, I do do um, workout, you know, four or five times a week. Uh, that's probably the, mm. you know, only routine that I, I do. Is um, it different now during pandemic land before? And, it and is different. Yeah. You know, I, I, I picked up sort of more fitness on demand, used to go to gym, but now it's more just, you know, um, at home. Right. So I, yeah. which I, I really, really like because um then I can completely work out for my own schedule. And I am a night person, so I usually my workout times usually are after 10 p.m. Um, wow. <laughs> and um, and um, so, so that's usually my my only routine. But in general, I try to cut down routine because um, when I, mm. I don't like my mind, you know, to be dependent on certain sequence of events, I just want to be able to control it anytime well, on and off yeah. very quickly. <laughs> Got it. But do you do you, for example, you know, look at your phone to begin with, or, or do you? I mean, most people reach out to their phone. Then, uh, you, know, you look at the yeah. number of. I mean, these days yeah, it's not yeah, just yeah, email; yeah, it's yes. also chats. I want to look at my teams and chats, and it depends. You know, sometimes like you know, if I have really early morning meetings, I just woke up and I go. But if the meeting, because you know, I work in different time zones, and sometimes morning meetings are really early, like seven something. Um, so, you know, I, I don't have any, you know, I just literally like within five minutes woke up and I'm ready, <laughs> jumping into, into the meeting. Um, but if the meeting hour is late, then, you know, I have a bit more time than I, yeah, I, I graze on um, mm -hmm. Twitter or, you know, um, um, social media a bit. Got it. So um, you own this product called, we call meetings. Mm -hmm. among, among other things, right? Um, I mean, that is you own the Microsoft Teams meetings product, if you will. So given that, hey, what does the LAN meeting look like? How do you run meetings? And uh, I'm talking about not the tool itself, but your meeting. Is there some 
you know, effective way, secret to running an effective meeting that others can learn from? What do you do? <laughs> what do you do different differently? Yeah, I mean, I, I it's it, depending on the type of meeting, right? I, it, the, you know, sometimes I have these. Um, um, I, I think generally, you know, there's two kinds of meetings, structured meetings and just and then the other is just organic, completely unstructured meetings. And I do these, uh, um, you know, during a pandemic, I, I still try to keep in touch with my team. So, you know, I, I have, for example, like a virtual lunch hours with all the new hires usually or or the female engineers in the team. Um, you know, those are tend to be really, really open and we don't have any um, we don't have any agenda or anything, it's very casual. I enjoy this meeting tremendously. Um, and then for my ROB, the typical rhythm of business meetings, um, we have, we have um, you know, started adopting a more structured approach. For example, I reject meetings if I get invite that doesn't have agenda um, and, and uh, mm. expected outcome. I, mm. I just reject those. Um, and and that, yeah. that has helped sort of foster this culture. You know, I have a template if people request meeting of me. I have a lightweight template. People have to say, here's the attendee, here's the agenda, here's what it's the expected outcome. So that that helps to 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 you know just set expectation on all the parties. I found that useful. We're trying to go to more document-based meetings these days because it just, you know, um some like um, we, for example, every every quarter we do retrospectives. My team does that. Um, sure. You know, people will come in. We will read for ten minutes, and then we'll start open up and talk about. It. I think a lot of the um, companies um, have done those type of meetings, and people, you know, we we just borrow those best practices and find it's useful. Um, we're also trying to experiment with our product. Try to, you know, for for these large scale all hands meetings, how to make those more fun more interactive. You know, the good thing is our team builds these products. So, you know, we've been experimenting, for example, lately, um, we use polls. We, we have these quick poll features and that that we're playing around internally where, you know, when Lon is saying something and then someone could create a poll and say, does she make sense? Yes or no? And people will say <laughs> vote, uh, vote on the side. Um, and then you get some instant feedback. It was fun. It, you know, so it, it's it's something that we're experimenting because, you know, when you have, you know, like a lot of people, right? When you get to something like um, hundred, you know, more than a hundred people in a meeting, then the interactivity becomes a really, you know, underwhelming experience. Uh, today's today's products. So we're trying to push some of these ideas to see, can we make it more fun, more interesting, more engaging? Got it. Now, uh, thank you for that, Lon. Talking about um, that, right, uh, the, the, the one other question I have is, over the years, we all make hundreds, maybe thousands of personal and professional decisions. Uh, are there any of them that you would call, what was your, what were some of your best decisions or investments of time that you've made? Um, this is an important question because this is more in terms of your thought process leading to those decisions. Also, um, was there, oh, what would be a really bad decision that you made that you still think about and why? It could be anything that you, you are able to share. Uh, yeah. Sure. Um, the best investment of time I have found is, um, you know, I, I still do a, a lot of one on ones with 
many people across my org, even though my team gets bigger, I I do pretty religiously one-on-ones with people on a regular basis, both, um, you know, people who in my team or people who are in my um, sort of partner um, in, in work circle. Um, I found those important. And when, when you know, I, I grew up in Microsoft, of course, you know, through the ranks all the way to the org gets bigger and bigger. One, one challenge I've always sort of on the forefront of my mind is, you know, as you manage a bigger and bigger org, um, how do you still stay in touch with the reality? I, I've seen a lot of leaders as they grow their org as, you know, in both org and charter, um, um, bigger, bigger charter and bigger org, um, they become disconnected. Um, and then yeah. that, you know, lead to bad decision-making, bad judgment, bad decision-making. So that's something that I'm very cognizant of. And you know, as a, um, if you know, you, 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 in the AI world, you know, you all know in, in the difference between a good AI, bad AI, you know, a machine learning model is just the data set. You know, you, you train the, the ML with a larger data set, the intelligence will get better. It's not too different in human world. You know, you, you, um, if you don't subscribe to the right data channel, and if you don't have enough data sample, then your judgment will be impacted. Um, not a lot of people, not many people in the world are like Steve Jobs that has this insane intuition. But, you know, rest of us um, humans, we need um, a lot of data, data to develop mm -hmm. our judgment. And as the organization leaders, you know, as you rise up through the food chain uh, to, you know, bigger and bigger org, there's a risk of, you know, you start subscribing information per the hierarchy of the organization, which could have biases and inefficiencies because of the hierarchies of the organization, especially in such a matrix um, structure like in Microsoft. So, you know, stay in touch with people in my, you know, ICs, not necessarily just managers in my org, many levels skip is important to me because that's sort of my way of working around the organization hierarchy so that I can subscribe to information in a, you know, non-conformant way. Um, this way, it'll help me develop a better sense of what is going on really and the ground truth. And then, you know, being able to marry that with sort of the broader um, sort of higher level view of the org. That has been, I would say, the single best decision that I investment investment of time that I've made. I've learned so much just through these one-on-ones, the pulse of Go the ahead. organization, the pulse of the structure. Um, when you said bad decision, you know, I, so yeah. I really think that um, there's no bad decision. That's just my sort of personal mm -hmm. belief. The real bad decision, it's the real bad thing is, you know, how you deal with the consequences of a decision. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think the real bad decision is not making decision. Um, so, so I, I, you know, it's sort of um, just like the name of your your podcast. You know, I I believe in pass the ball. You know, when, <laughs> when you, get, you get something in your hand, you got to keep the ball moving. Got to keep the ball moving. But the way to move, keep the ball moving, is to just make a decision. You know, and that sometimes we have to. We don't have perfect information to make decision. But the important thing is you. You just got to learn, you know, you make some stupid mistakes, you learn from it. Hopefully that will inform you to make smarter decisions next time. 
it doesn't matter if I made some bad decisions that looked bad at the moment. You know, it'll turn out to be good learning for me anyways. So, you know, mm-hmm. I don't really remember. <laughs> I think, you know, if anything, uh, you know, I I sometimes still think about, you know, when, when, when two years ago, when we were still going through this journey, um, as you know, you and I, you know, been through this together, mm-hmm. com- the Skype for Business and Teams convergence journey, you know, we're catching up on a lot of the Skype for Business features and teams. And in the meantime, you know, we're basically revamping the team's architecture under the hood. So, you know, I constantly have to make a decision on whenever something new comes up, you know, some new innovation, new features, new ideas come up, should we invest in the current code base that's going away or should we wait for another three to six months until we have this shiny brand new code base that's foundation for future so i make those decisions all the time sometimes i feel boy i wish i did. i just you know did not optimize for efficiency i wish i just have you know double invested anyway so that we can actually make more progress in the market i think that came very clear when COVID hit you know we were a little bit un- unprepared because we were still taking our time to basically on this re-architecture project. And, you know, I wish we had moved faster, um, but that will require us to basically not optimize for efficiency. Right. No, right on. I think that's that's so awesome, Lon, which is, I think, I think like there is a saying, right, which is, hey, there are no good or bad decisions. There is basically slow or fast decisions or basically decisions on indecisiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I, I, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think, hey, make a quick decision. There is no right or wrong. I think if it is something which is incorrect, you go. F- yeah, uh, deal with fix the it later. Yeah, you get better. You get better yeah. at making those uh, decision points. Uh, so great. Lon, uh, just a few other things before we'll we'll hit the time limit here. <laughs> uh, although I'd love to keep going, uh, but you know, we've got to stop. <laughs> What is the most common? Is that a common misconception about you? I mean, everybody has one. Uh, what is yeah. the most common misconception about you? Yeah, that you people, always try to dispel, if you will, or you know, uh, it, it people, bugs you. People, I mean, it doesn't bug me. I mean, I I don't be bugged at all by misconceptions. But I, I think people will always think that I'm buttoned up, organized. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and when I told. Um, I remember when I told my coworkers and said, well, I'm late for my credit card bill and people were surprised and shocked and <laughs> what? I, you know, I get my electricity bill, electricity cut off because, you know, we forgot, really? we forgot I... the auto payment, you know, <laughs> expired or something, you know, it, I have, I have a lot of sloppiness in life and work um, <laughs> and the, um, people somehow think, you know, I, I, I guess because the way that I work, people think that uh, I got everything buttoned up, but no. Mm, that's a very good one. That's an interesting one. <laughs> and, and, and on, yeah, I've, I've never heard of that uh, in terms of, you know. <laughs> you would not always, expect I would be the kind always, of person who will have my electricity cut off, right? <laughs> <laughs> you always come across as someone who's got, you know, all the ducks in a row and. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? I, that, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's. Uh, well, yeah, I can tell I you more. <laughs> <laughs> and and on, the, on the same count, right? What is what would you say if there is one thing we all have? We all have strengths and we're not so good at some things, right? What would you say is your superpower? 
And at the same token, um, is there a bad habit that you're working on right now? We always yeah. constantly keep working on things. Yeah, I can start with the bad habit. Um, I think I'm 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 just really and, and I'm known for this. I'm really bad at keeping time. Um, and the pandemic made it worse because just <laughs> you know, like trying to be on time for meetings and people are waiting for me. I feel so bad. I wasted people's time because I can't keep track mm -hmm. of time. That that that's something that. Um, I think it's it's sort of the flip side of the coin because I enjoy so much in chaos and um, <laughs> and I, I like to have very sharp focus when I focus on something. I lost lost track of time, um, but you know I, I need to develop structure how to manage my time. Um, that's definitely something that mm, I, I'm working on. You know, I have people help me to keep track of time, but. It's not really changing the habit, so uh, I need to change the habit. Um, superpower. Um, I, I think um, it's it's just kind of rooted in my background, right? I have an art background. I have a computer science background. So you know, just uh, I I I have this ability mm. to look at problems from both logical and illogical emotional perspective, you know, both sides. Um, and that in influenced how I think about product, how I build product, how I manage team, how I deal with, you know, crisis. I think, you know, that, that, that's that been really helpful, just understanding the human side and the technology side of the problem. Got it, got it. Now, thanks for sharing that. Um, I know sometimes, you know, um, this show is. You put yourself out there. I think we share a lot of things, um, but I think it'll, it'll it benefits other people. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. One final question before we wrap up, Lan. Uh, what would you say is the best advice that you ever got? And what's the biggest lesson that you learned that you would like to share? The best advice I ever got and um, lessons I've learned, it's, there is always a way. <laughs> that, that's always my, my, my answer to anything. Mm -hmm. um, my daughter actually, my birthday, one of my birthday, he, she, she drew a picture you know, with a pig on it, which is my zodiac sign, but, um, and then there's, a, there's an engraving on it that says there is always a way. So it's, an, it's deeply engraved <laughs> in, my, in my family as well. My kid knows this about me. Um, I always say there's always a way. And there is, is always a way. Awesome. There is always a way. Yeah. Um, that's a great one. Thank you. Hey, <laughs> uh, Lan, I enjoyed um, having you on the show. This was a great conversation. Thank you so much. Any final thoughts? If not, you know, thank you. Have a great oh, day. Oh, thank you. And uh, no, I think I said a lot. And thank you for giving me this forum. Um, I, it's, it was really fun to, to talk about all these questions. You know, it made me think a bit about the journey that I have been through. You know, it's last year's been so crazy, um, but really, you know, it's it's the it's the 20 some years that I've been at Microsoft leading to this moment. Um, it made it actually it wasn't that bad. It was easy, but um, mm. you know, but but it's really the journey that got it got me there. And in um, all the people that helped me along the way. So 
indeed it's it's, it's a great company indeed absolutely great. we are uh, uh, you know even though, even though we all <laughs> spend so much time working for microsoft i think it always reminds you that what a great place it is but thank you yeah. for sharing and um, you know giving back i really appreciate it thank you bye bye, bye.